Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Blitz. Ooh, what to watch. What to watch. Well, fall is coming, and just like you've obviously indicated with good taste of listening to this podcast, we're going to give you some good ideas on what could be coming to a big screen near you for the remainder of 2022. This is Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I'm Dave Brooks. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for waiting. I'm Joel Hoover. Yeah, we have had some... Schedule alignment issues Dave and I have here over the last few weeks, but we are glad to be on the same page again and ready to go again with the podcast. So welcome. Yes, I'm Joel Hoover, and we are sponsored with Rick and Nick Talk Flicks by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Thanks to the Bemidji Theater for being our sponsor. We love getting to work with them, and we love getting to go to the Bemidji Theater to catch a movie. Great place to go here in the Bemidji area for just that. They've got $5 movie nights on Tuesdays that are so very popular, and we love getting a chance to catch up on what's at the movies currently uh, by going to the Bemidji Theater. So thanks again we to them. We were just there for date night the other night, went and saw Bullet Train, the Brad Pitt movie. That was good. You that saw was, Bullet Train. I liked it. That All was right. really good. Cool. Yeah, it's... I. I've seen that it's done all right at the box office, but and and as far as reviews, it's just kind of one of those, you know, go and be entertained sort of things. Is yeah, what it looks like it's not Inception or anything like that, where it's absolute <laughs> masterpiece. But it's fun. It's a great popcorn movie. There's a whole bunch of cameos that you don't see coming, and every one of them is is pleasant. Uh, it's think of it as sort of a. A, a take on Ocean's Eleven, but much, much more violent. But it was fun. It was good. <laughs> I recommend it. Okay. Well, it, it's fitting that you would say Ocean's Eleven since Brad Pitt was involved yeah. in that one as well. It's It's got a similar kind of vibe is what I mean. And it's kind of a heist, sort of. You know, there's a briefcase. Get the briefcase. But Brad Pitt's not the only guy trying to get the briefcase. So it's it's like multiple different teams trying. It, it's just different, but it was fun. It was uh, entertaining. And flashily made. Put it that way. That is a good way of putting it. Flashily made? Yeah. That's how it looked when I was looking at the uh, the trailer and, and such. I was like, wow, this is quite the concept that they've put together here. It's a very kinetic movie. But that you know, it was just there last week, and uh, I've been there enough to notice that they changed out the Cherry Icy Machine, and now it's got uh, Hawaiian Punch Icy Flavor, which was I didn't recognize it at first. Like, what? Something's off with this. Oh, it's Hawaiian Punch Icy. Well, that would taste different. And it was marvelous. Go see a show. Excellent. So that's Speaking all. Speaking of good shows to see. Yeah. So we're taking a look at our fall movie preview September right through the end of December. So we're going to take it to the end of 2022. Obviously, all of this is subject to change. And I know that because as soon as I printed out this little preview list, I think it was Warner Brothers started shifting things around on the schedule. So I had to scribble a couple of things out on my list. So all of this is subject to change, add, move, subtract. You know, maybe it'll be like Batgirl where they're just, they're not going to do the show. They're just going to straight up yank it. 
Yeah, that's a good example. Things can change relatively quickly. We've seen that a lot since COVID-19, that things can change on a dime for various reasons. Projects can change. It feels like the movie industry is still still trying to settle those ripple effects of everything that got impacted by COVID. Well, and, and, and th- even, it's still trying to figure out what, what exactly is the way forward. Yeah, and even not dealing with COVID. Apparently, this, the, the Batgirl movie they were making... They were testing it. They were screening it. It wasn't doing very well, and they just made the bizarre notion of, eh, let's just scrap it. So apparently they're having a screening for the cast and crew that they're calling a funeral screening because it's not going to ever come out, apparently, according to right now. And they're still on the fence as to what they're going to do with The Flash. Ezra Miller's having some big issues lately, and that's coming out uh, late spring, early summer. But there's on the table the possibility of just scrapping that, too, because of all the you know the issues that are going on with him, what a what a waste! You know how can you spend that kind of money and that kind of budget and get all? I mean, it's one thing to have a movie that's an outright bomb. It used to be, well, we'll just release it directly to video. Why don't you just let it? You know, if Warner Brothers is HBO Max, why don't you just put it out on HBO Max and see if it was worth it? Especially if there's already been a lot of money poured into it. Why not just go ahead, like you said, and release it in some kind of limited fashion? I think it's mostly done. I mean, it's not like they're still filming it. It's done. It's shot. Now it's all in the post-production edit. Scooby-Doo, they were going to make a Scoob 2, and they decided not to, but somebody forgot to cancel the scoring session when they do the music for it, so they went ahead after they'd scrapped the movie, and they scored a movie that will not come out in the first place, but it's all done. It's all shot. I mean, I don't understand that. How can you have a budget like that? How can you go to the supermarket to give you a metaphor, put all the food in your cart, pay for it, pay for it, and then leave it and walk out the door? That's a pretty good metaphor. I think, too, with the advent of streaming becoming as broad as it has, you and I have had some things that we've had issue with when it comes to streaming but this is actually one where streaming can be very helpful and can be very good is that if you have something a project like that that maybe is not going to do as well as you think on the big screen why not just send it directly to streaming have some kind of streaming partner set up or a partnership for streaming that you can put it into and then just release it that way it i I know part of that is studio-based. A huge part of that is studio-based. But seems like a shame to, to put all of that effort out and then, and then just not be able to pay it off in the end. Just like you were saying, as far as being able to see the finished product. Yeah, I agree. You know, something else I, just, I think I just browsed by today. HBO Max canceling a couple of shows that they're doing just for streaming. And part of the reason was, well, cost and stuff. Okay, yeah, they're that. pouring it all into House of the Dragon right now. Yeah, but the other part they said was, we're gonna, we need to declutter. And that one made me stop and think, declutter? What are you talking about? You mean like going to a library and cutting out half the books because there's too many books? I mean, shouldn't you have more? If it's cluttered, then it's an organizational thing. It's a presentation. It's an interface on the streamer. The more content you can get, the better you are. And I understand sometimes maybe putting some, well, we have a brand new show that came in. I get that. But if it's Warner Brothers, because they have the access to all Warner Brothers material, if it's HBO Max, every single thing that Warner Brothers has ever made, ever, should be there. There's no excuse. I mean, I get the whole, well, let's pull it out so we can keep it fresh. Then we'll bring it back. We'll take some others out. No, 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 no. 
Always, always, always leave them there. But maybe you have a spotlight section, you know, and maybe you start rotating that. But the stuff never leaves. Yeah. It might be something you didn't think of to look for. It's like going to it when you used to have like a dick, an encyclopedia. You could open to a random page and drop your finger randomly on a word and learn about emancipation. Oh, cool. Interesting. But just going on the internet, it's hard to just randomly come up with something unless Wikipedia's got some random feature that's or whatever. The, that's the way it should work. Now, I know there are some challenges occasionally with licensing. For instance, Disney Plus has had to wait on some properties because they may still have some kind of license tie-in to, yeah, or, sure. or they've, they've been on some other platform and they are going to be there until said the, the expiration right expires, date. Yeah. yeah, and then that the, the rights can transfer over to Disney+. Plus. But they continue to add to the library more and more because of the purchase of 20th Century Fox and yeah. the fact that they've now got those properties that they can move over. Well, but, even a lot yeah, more the, than... the idea ought to be this is a library. You're, you're pouring all of it into this place. Let's not be selective about this. Let's have it all there. Decluttering is disappointing. Well, then you've got a bad interface. If it's cluttered, organize it. You that can't. You know, if you go into a library and there's a mountain of books and a pile on the floor, that's cluttered. Every book that you need is there, but you got some mysteries in there. You got some romances in there. It's, it's, it's all messed up. You need to build some shelves in a digital realm, so to speak. Come up with something organized. Come up, make it in a way. The digital version of what used to be like walking into a video store, Blockbuster, or whatever. And uh, you can go into the room and maybe even have the back room with the whatever, whatever. And that's how Disney should do it. Since they've got 20th Century Fox, which has got, call it, adult content that's far too you know, serious and mature for little kids on Disney+. Plus. That's the back room of the Vizio store. You need to have some sort of an access code to get in. You don't want a kid who's looking for Mickey Mouse accidentally stumbling into the Predator movies, which was 20th Century Fox. So you need to have some sort of a barrier. Correct. But you need to have it there. But what they're doing is Hulu is more like 20th Century Fox stuff, and Disney Plus is more family-friendly and maybe a couple of family-friendly 20th Century Fox things like Star Wars and so forth. Uh, yeah, it's just cluttered. Give me a break. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, shall we look forward rather than look back? Yes, let's do it. The box office has been painfully slow the last few weeks and like literally some of the lowest numbers of the year. So it is a good time to be looking at the next four months, the final four months of 2022 and getting an idea of what the movie calendar and movie slate are looking like starting with early September. So we're going to go a weekend at a time, a day at a time here with all of this because some of these, of course, kind of go outside of the conventional release on the weekend kind of plan. So that's what we will do beginning with September 8th and something that is going directly to Disney Plus, I believe here, Dave. Yeah, this is, uh, and that kind of changes the nature of things. It's not everything that just goes to the big screen. It's anything that's coming out. Uh, hopefully, it gets a big screen release. But Disney's trend of taking some of their iconic cartoons and turning them live action, and Pinocchio is going to be the next one to go. Uh, Tom Hanks is going to be in it. This is a live action version. He's Geppetto, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. But I think there's going to be a combination of live action and some CGI, but it's Call it live action. That would be appropriate enough. So Pinocchio is going to get the next one. But interesting to note, 
Robert Zemeckis is directing this, and you might not know the name, but it's you, very interesting. You should know the name. He directed all the Back to the Future movies, but he and and Tom Hanks have got a great working relationship. He directed Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks won the Oscar for that. They did Castaway together. They did the Polar Express together. Uh, so now they're getting together again. So Tom Hanks is working with Zemeckis almost as much as he's worked with Spielberg. Uh, this could be a pretty good combination. Uh, some of the live-action versions of Disney properties have been kind of hit and missed. The Lion King a few years ago didn't quite hit the way that it did the first time in the mid-'90s. Um, but others have done better. Yeah, with the fact that it's going to Disney+, Plus, that's a little bit of a negative. That's yeah. something that I look at and I go, boy, uh, things that have gone directly to Disney+, Plus again, much in the same way, have been a little bit hit or miss. On the positive is the fact that they've got this kind of crew that is putting the movie together, whether it's Robert Zemeckis directing or you've got Tom Hanks, they've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Keegan-Michael Key, um, just to name a few within their cast. Uh, Luke Evans is in there as well. So they, they've they got a pretty solid core of people who are putting all this together and who are a part of this project What's going to win out here in the end? Maybe a little bit of a combination of both as far as making this happen. But that's the thing about these live-action adaptations, Dave, is that there's not exactly a whole lot of room to be original with this and with with making it go in this direction. The Jungle Book was very successful in that regard. But like you said, there have been others, like The Lion King, that just haven't worked in the same way where... You're working off of a property that has so much equity already built up behind it that you're trying to make a new version of pretty much the same thing, and that's the challenge yeah. that, that lies Lion, with all of this. The Lion King, just for example, I mean, it was so built around what it was. It was absolutely original when it came out in the 90s. You had Elton John and Tim Rice doing the soundtrack with Hans Zimmer. You had a good voice cast, but it was its own thing. Pinocchio has lived in a lot of different forms. You know, the, the animated version is the one that is best known, but there's a lot of school plays. There's been a lot of versions of it. There's been a lot of spoofs of it. Um, so it, it's a little different thing. So this is just the latest version of an, a multi-versioned source material, if you want to call it that. It's like doing Dracula. There's a hundred Draculas out there, but this is much more family version. Switching to something not so family version, Kevin Smith and the View Askew Universe is back. Clerks 3. And the original Clerks came back in the 90s. This is what started Kevin Smith's career. Everyone wanted to see a Clerks 2. They got it. Now everyone wanted to see a Clerks 3. Everyone's back. This has been a very patient, stretched out process, yes. too, with all of these movies. 1994 for the first one, 2006 for the second one, and now 2022 for the third one. Has it worked? I've I've not seen any of these. Yeah. Like, has it worked in terms of being able to maintain interest? I guess well enough. You know, the fact that they're still thirty years still working at a same convenience store is funny. <laughs> yes, really, it is. you guys are still here. Exactly. That now that joke even runs a little more fun because wow, you, yeah, whoa, guys, good. Job. Well, anyway, Clerks three uh, getting some very early good buzz. They've had some early screens. Uh, it's returned to form, is what I'm hearing. So if you're a fan of the View Askew universe, it's not for everybody, but uh, Dogma, Chasing Amy, so on and so forth, you'll like it. So Jay and Silent Bob are back. So the addition that came to the list. What is now what's up next? This is September 16th, and this is a John Hamm project that has actually 
a little bit of history to it in terms of previous iterations of this this entity, right? We've got a new Fletch movie. It's yep. been since 1989. Uh, Chevy Chase, back in the 80s, he had the Vacation movies and he had the Fletch movies. And, uh, well, they're based on books. And now the, forever they've been trying to get another book coming out. Uh, and it hasn't happened. And then all of a sudden they just had one slip in under the radar and here it comes. Uh, Chevy Chase is not back as Fletch, but you have John Hamm taking over the role. He's an investigative reporter. He's sharp and he's witty. Uh, it was also known for a very hot 80s-style synthesizer score, Harold Faltermeyer, of course, who'd done the Beverly Hills Cop movies and the first Top Gun movie. And now he was doing Fletch. Oh, yeah, Fletch. you're going to get synthesizer. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I, But this looks like it's got a different tone. I don't think it's going to be – I think this will be uh, – uh, um, what's the word? Uh, faithful to the source material, and by that I don't mean the Chevy Chase movies, I mean the books. The books kind of have that wit to them. Chevy Chase gave it his spin. John Hamm's got a total different take on it. Because Chevy Chase's spin was a little bit more slapstick-esque, right? No, not for the vacation movies and about any other movie he did, yeah, but his Erwin Fletcher character was much more, you know, he'd say something and then he would follow it up with something else that was sharp and biting and witty. Ah, okay. So it's, he's, it's not really the, the fall-down slapsticky, maybe on occasion, because he's also that's a master- more of the Chevy Chase type yeah, cast but rather a- than the Fletch type cast. Yeah, but he's a master of disguise, and so on some occasions he might dress up as a nerd or an idiot or something, and then he's doing the Chevy Chase esque stuff. But when he's out of costume, so to speak, then he's a lot more biting and satirical and and that kind of thing. And so John Hamm's got a different take on that. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be in the same vein as the movies, but I think the books have got a similar theme that are in the Chevy Chase vein. I think that'll thread through to the John Hamm version. Could there be sequels to this? Distinct probability. I mean, I think it could be a revitalization, but they've tried to do this forever. Uh, uh, Zach Efron, or not Zach Efron, Zach Braff from Scrubs yeah. was attached to this for a while back, and it just it never really came around. Finally, they just figured it out, did it quick, and here it comes. Let's see then if being true to the source material hits in terms of a niche appreciation for it, which maybe could then lead to more. Well, I think it's also going to depend on your era, I guess. If I say there's a new Fletch movie to you, you, huh, who, what? To me, I'm like, really? They're doing another one? Awesome. That could be great. Right. So so I, I guess it depends on how far back you go. If you knew and liked those Fletch movies in the 80s, 85 and 89, I think, is when they, Fletch Lives came out in 89. Then that might mean something to you. Confess Fletch, going to be uh, in theaters and streaming day and date on September 16th. Sometimes it takes time for a sequel or addition to a series to come about, but that it, yeah. it can still work pretty well. We've already seen that earlier this year. Yeah. All right, so there's been plenty of buzz regarding Don't Worry Darling. That is coming up September 23rd. And most notably, you've got a powerful duo at the top of the billing for this with Florence Pugh, who has just been a comet in terms of taking off with with her career on the screen, and then Harry Styles as well. Who's got some impressive acting turns. Harry Styles is well-known as a singer, but what's really kind of getting things interesting is that his character, Harry Styles' character, was originally cast with Shia LaBeouf. Now this yes, movie, that's this, right. who is no longer in this movie, the director Olivia Wilde, who's also in the movie as a supporting character, there was let's just say a creative budding of heads. 
and there's to been put it mildly. to put it mildly. Basically, it's not it's not a secret that Shia LaBeouf has had a real hard time in his personal life and professional life, just getting along with people and other just acts of bizarre behavior. The word enigmatic comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, so that reared up, and apparently Olivia Wilde has a no-jerks policy, and she kind of had enough. But, I mean, there was just a video that got leaked just this week where she's leaving a voicemail for him or something like that where she's like, look, hey, we're having our problems, but I'd like to be able to work through this, and evidently that didn't work because Harry Styles took the part. So it's kind of interesting, the behind-the-scenes drama, but the story itself looks good, and so just to see if changing out a cast member for a different cast member who will work well with other cast members, if that's going to make a difference for uh, this movie, it could make a difference. Yeah, psychological thriller is is kind of the general genre that's been attached to it. There have been, of course, the the controversies surrounding, yes, Olivia Wilde versus Shia LaBeouf. There's also been a lot of discussion regarding the the Pew and Styles dynamic together mm. on the screen and some of the scenes that they're involved with and maybe too much attention being paid to the intimate scenes involved between the two of them that I know that I think Florence Pugh had had sort of hit out at the just the fact that people have only focused in on that rather than just thinking more about the story too but so. you know if that's a hook a lot of people got into say basic instinct because of all the sex scenes and it was you know controversial and then you see it and you're ready to watch i hate to say it but let's just call it out it's going to be like a high-end porno movie but it actually had a really good story and it was really really good and it was thrilling you're like, oh and all of a sudden what you came there to see is no longer what you're there to watch. You're now there to watch what the story's bringing because you're convinced an ice pick is about uh, to come bursting out under the scene. Oh no, oh no. This could be something similar. So yeah, we'll see. that that whole concept is just cringy for me. It's just like why why make that the selling point? And I think that's what Florence Pugh has been saying. It's like why make that the selling point? I there's that whole idea of yes, sex sells and and all of that, but it's like Man, come on. Why why go that route with it, especially if there's especially if there is a lot more to it than just you that. Know, but from the that, thriller from the yeah. thriller genre, there was a subgenre, the erotic thriller. You know, clearly Basic Instinct was part of that. And a lot of that's kind of gone away. It ebbs and it's flowing. Maybe it's flowing back in, and so erotic thriller. Maybe Olivia Wilde wants to basically make a trashy romance thriller novel paperback, but on the big screen. Who knows? I, I think this has got a lot of potential, though, too. But be aware, this is not one to bring the kids to. Uh, there will be a long, awkward discussion following the movie if you do. Uh, but anyway, uh, so check it out. Don't Worry Darling comes out September 23rd. Now we move into uh, a great all-star cast that looks very interesting blonde. And if you're a Marilyn Monroe fan, this is all about her. Speaking Blonde. speaking of content that is only for certain eyes, that's yes. what appears is the case with Blonde, most definitely with Anna de Armas playing Marilyn Monroe, and wow, she she looks like her in some of these early pictures that I've seen and some of the early trailer clippings. Yeah, she's got the look, doesn't she, Dave? She's got it down. The this Marilyn is one Monroe where, look. Well, yeah. the, the, you know, we've had, we've seen Marilyn Monroe come around before. I think that Michelle Williams most recently did uh, the most recent version, "My Day with Date with Marilyn" or something like that, and she nailed it. This one could be a, a second coming around in a way. If Michelle Williams missed out on some of the awards, there's talk that okay, we might have missed the last one. This one looks to be a surefire awards-winning hit. It looks like she's truly captured it, and it really kind of captures. Um, 
kind of the, the the back end of Marilyn Monroe and her career and her relationships, a lot of which are very famous, you know, moving forward. Uh, so, and of course, uh, who's the guy? Ad- Adrian Brody is in this too. So this looks really, really good. This will be kind of a drama, but it's, you know, I think this is toward the end of her life. So I don't know if the, if the mysterious ending is part of this movie or not, but. You know, we kind of know the story. Actors playing actors just sounds like award season catnip, Dave. But it's Marilyn Monroe. I mean, it'd be <laughs> one thing if somebody's playing, say, a different person playing Julia Roberts. Okay, interesting. But this is, you know, say what you want about Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts once played Julia Roberts. That's true. She did. Ocean's 11, too, or Ocean's 12. But this is Marilyn Monroe. She's <laughs> truly iconic. So this could be a really good one. Check it out. Blonde comes out on September 28th. And then we close out September with a bevy of movies, and yeah, this is one of those... busy weekend on the 30th. Sometimes it's funny how a movie will come out, and it's it just is what it is, and it's nothing remarkable, and it comes, and it plays, and then it goes away. And then over 20, 30 years, it builds, and it builds, and becomes a staple of itself. And so for Great every... way to tee up talking about this movie, because that's basically what it is. You can't go anywhere during the fall without seeing this on cable. Oh yeah, it's like what a Christmas story is for Christmas time, Hocus Pocus has become for Halloween time and that's coming up. Hocus Pocus 2 and I can't say everyone's back, but the witches are back. Bette Midler is back. Kathy and Jimmy, Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, so the, the witches are back. I think they every, got the band back together. Yeah, yeah. Toby Jones, who played the ghost, he's back too. I think the kids are obviously grown up and they're not back. But it's a whole other story with everybody else. But another disclaimer, this is a direct-to-Disney Plus release. Yes. So hard to know what if it's going to be well put together, if there's going to be good fan service, or if there's going to be too much fan service but it is direct to disney plus but that's changed before too where something direct to the video or whatever okay we'll put it in the theaters limitedly we'll do it could happen that could could certainly happen but for hocus pocus fans and there are many of them out there and they love to let you know about it come come halloween season uh this they are certainly going to be rejoicing at this that there's another iteration of this <laughs> this uh, tale to come well and think of this it's, this is coming out of the like second to last day of september once you switch two days later into october a lot of those channels will start showing some of their halloween favorite movies of which hocus pocus will be one of them you can see the original on whatever you know fx channel freeform channel whatever it is oh, freeform and then go off to the theaters and see the, the sequel you could do a double feature it'd be a hoot and you know i i don't know what the story is on this one but everyone is ready to see some old friends and that looks to happen hocus pocus 2 is coming out on the 30th the same day that another movie a lot of people that i wish they made movies the way they used to with a good cast you never see so and so anymore well here's your chance to go put some money down and tell hollywood that you do want to see these movies the Good House is one worth bringing up. You talk about a great duo, and they've worked together before. Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver. Their probably best-known team-up was the presidential comedy Dave. Good movie. You ever see Dave? I think I've heard of it, yeah. Oh, it's a good movie. And uh, The Ice Storm, they were in that. I think there was something else they were in. Uh, I can't tell you what the story is about. I don't know much about it, but you know, you've got some great talent there, and they generally don't show up in movies that are absolutely not worth your time. So definitely going to be worth checking out. So I can't be specific on the plot, but you got a good cast, and yeah, that's good billing. Certainly will help. Yes. Yeah. So the Good House comes out that same weekend, and then let's we have... go from good to great, or greatest in this case. Yes. 
the greatest beer run ever. I was just talking with Scott Williams about they don't make great, you know, yuck him up comedies anymore. But this one, when I said those words, just I wasn't aware that this movie was coming. But now it is. Zach Efron, Russell Crowe, the great Bill Murray. Uh, this could be very interesting. This is the Farley Brothers. So this is Dumb and Dumber. This is uh, something about Mary. Now, they've had some hit and misses, too, but they've teamed up with Bill Murray before in Kingpin. Uh, so this could be an interesting one. The Farley Brothers, uh, I think they're due for a good hit. They've got a good cast. I think we're good. I think we're due for a good comedy in the wake of COVID. I think we just need to burst off a little steam, and this could be a good one to check out. Just ask Simon Pegg, though. Sometimes the beer run doesn't go as you plan it to. <laughs> no, it does not. I always. I but, just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> but it says the greatest beer run, Hoof. Not. I was supposed to be a simple beer run, but dot dot dot. Yeah, but that pub crawl turned into the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, but it's still so, a darn good movie. Well. And an ice cream trilogy, if you want to call it that, too. Anyway. It was. Greatest yes. Beer Run, The Good House, Hocus Pocus 2, they're all coming out the yeah. same weekend, September 30th. Busy big, weekend. Big close to the month of September. October starts with maybe one of the most intriguing movies on this entire slate for the rest of the year. When the trailer dropped earlier in the year, there was a lot of buzz regarding it because... First of all, you've got a tremendous trio at the top of the billing. Then you look at the rest of the cast list, and you're like, what? That person's in it, that person's in it, that person's in it. And then you have a story that is very, very interesting on its own as well. All of that to say that the movie Amsterdam is coming out October 7th. David O. Russell is the director. Everything he's touched has been a critical darling, whether it was the Gulf War drama Three Kings or I Heart Huckabees. He's a difficult guy to get along with, but then again, so is Jim Cameron, and he's got great movies too. So an all-star cast, uh, front and center, you've got Christian Bale. This is going to be an interesting one. This is going to be a layered one. Um, they're usually kind of quirky dramas maybe with a little comedy thrown in he's got his own kind of taste in his own style in a way but every one of them uh is good and they usually come up in award season and yeah Amsterdam a few others be in there a few others silver linings playbook american hustle mm-hmm. as well the fighter joy yeah he's had some pretty notable ones although a little bit quieter in recent years yeah but he's definitely got the pedigree and he just keep every oh brick. an anchor man oh as yeah well <laughs> every brick is something that is built into something pretty good. So this is going to be one well worth checking out. Amsterdam comes out October 7th. Crazy, crazy good cast that is attached to this too. You, Christian Bale, John David Washington, and um, I'll know. I was, I was on such a good roll, and yeah. now I'm suddenly blanking on her name. Um, Margot Robbie. There they, you go. They are the trio that's really at the center of this story, but then outside of the three of them, oh, man lots of notable names that are in there and not just acting related names music related names too taylor swift most interestingly enough so of course, that'll be coming out about the time is her brand new album that she just announced at the yes so yeah there you go. same month how fitting is that so good tie-in uh same weekend something straight to streaming it's a remake but it'll be going i think to hulu Uh, If you're a horror movie fan, and of course, it's October, it's time for something spooky to come out, they're going to reboot Hellraiser. Now, those were movies from the late 80s, early 90s that kind of went their own way as they tried to come up with their own big screen version of Freddy and Jason. They had Pinhead, more remarkable for the way he looked than his name, but Pinhead is back, and Hellraiser is going to be rebooted on October 7th. Just to kind of mention in passing, we'll see. It'll be on Hulu.
Yeah, on Hulu coming up. But then we really get into kind of big screen affair. We go to October 14th. They're doing a new Halloween trilogy with Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis, and they started that a few years ago, and then they did Halloween Kills last year, and now it literally ends. Halloween ends. So, is this actually going to be the end? Presumably, yes, the title would say so. We kind of have had this told to us over the last few years, but who actually knows? If you're talking about the end of Michael Myers, I'll believe it when I never see it again. But what I do <laughs> think that what is going to end is this whole notion of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, certainly Jamie Lee Curtis. Everyone thought when she came back for H2O in the late 90s for the 20th anniversary, that was going to be her you know, giving back to where she launched her career. But then she came to the next one, and now she's done these three, and they've been more or less pretty good. The last one, very, very brutal, brutal but you know, okay. This next one looks to be the ending of this chapter. So it's like the Dark Knight trilogy. Batman isn't done. It'll come back at some point, but in a different form, in a different way, and hopefully they won't screw it up. And you know, this We'll see. But uh, everyone's involved her, in this one again. Let her live her life. At this point. <laughs> kind of. But, I mean, somebody's not going to make it out of the end. I think in, in uh, John Carpenter is involved in these. He's not directing them, but he's, you know, he's consulting. And he's not just doing the music score. If the writers are like, hmm, where do we – hey, John, what do you think about – and he's on board and he's contributing. So if this is going to truly come to an end, I'm sure he's going to have a little touch on how this ends. They tried to do him away at the end of the original Halloween 2 in the early 80s. But, of course, like everybody – other movie monster you got to dredge them up at some point so this whatever happens whoever doesn't make it whoever does end will at some way shape or form find a way to move forward even if that character is wearing a mask all right onward in october we go to the 21st and a superhero movie that's hitting the screen dc yes from the dc universe with the rock at the top of this and taking on the role of Black Adam, which was introduced from Shazam, and now Black Adam is getting his own standalone film. And interestingly enough, just real kind of side bet here, uh, there was a Shazam sequel that was supposed to be coming out this fall. It got moved into the spring, so yes. there was going to be a one-two punch. There still will be, but the Shazam, I think, is coming out in March now. So anyway, that got moved. But this was an interesting one. Apparently, when they were doing the first Shazam movie, they were going to do an origin of both Shazam and Black Adam. And when The Rock started, to, or the producers got involved, they are like, let's not tie these characters too tightly together. Let's let them do their own thing. So now Black Adam is going to get a proper uh, inter- introduction. Yeah. Origin, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. So this is going to be a good one. DC, they need to do something consistent and come up with a hit, and this could be it. Um, you know, Wonder Woman looked like she was going to do it, and then they kind of fumbled with Wonder Woman 84. Shazam was an offbeat hit yeah, on its own, which it is was a big good. reason why it's getting a sequel, because it was really against the grain and enjoyed by a lot of people. I still need to see Shazam, actually. Funny enough, so, I just saw it like two weeks ago. Yeah. And, it's fun. And it worked. Yeah, it worked because it was fun. It was different. It was off the beaten trail with the superhero movie. So now trying to capitalize on that particular quote-unquote world within the world of DC by having the Black Adam movie that's coming along now as well. And having a guy like The Rock involved with it certainly helps. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. I think good things are going to come for it. So check it out. Black Adam comes out October 21st. 
Same weekend that another, we're going to see if we can start another franchise here based off of young adult novels. So we'll see if it worked well with Harry Potter. Uh, Didn't go so well with things like The Maze Runner. Did better with Hunger Games. So we'll see if this is going to go. The School for Good and Evil comes out. We'll see if this is going to catch. Yeah, it's another one of those things where you hope that you catch the right time of the ebb and flow with some of these young adult novels. There, it seemed like there was a glut of them there for a time in the in the mid to early two thousands. You could throw Twilight in there too. Oh yeah, for for that same reason. But you kind of have to strike while the iron is hot. But at the same time, we had this overkill, I think, at that time too. So we'll see if they can find a new a new second wind on all of that. This is generally geared toward adolescent and young teenage girls from the looks of it, so we'll see if it catches on. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, I think they're in need of a franchise to fill this gap, so we'll see if uh, this works. School of Good and Evil comes out also October 21st. This one I just saw the trailer so, to, and you it were looks ta- good. You were talking earlier about dynamic duos yeah. on the big screen, and you and I have done an episode on dynamic duos in the past as well. You were talking about that with Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver. I feel like that was just a warm-up for this duo and their latest movie together. Yeah, Julia Roberts, George Clooney, we saw them in the Ocean's Eleven movies. Uh, but beyond that, they've kind of had a good friendship off camera as well. They'll show up in like carpool karaoke or something. Well, now they're doing Ticket to Paradise. You know, it's funny. We just had a remake of Father of the Bride where you had a divorced couple trying to, you know, move their kid into a marriage. Now you've got a couple that's split up, George and Julia, trying to break up a wedding before it happens, which she's actually got experience in my best friend's wedding, which is a fun one where she's trying to steal the groom. Now she's trying to steal the groom away because that's her kid and she doesn't think the marriage is the right fit. Neither (laughs) does George Clooney. It, it looks funny. This looks like the kind of comedies that they used to make regularly. Uh, and you got a great star power cast with George and Julia. This is, this would be one that I would put my money down for a ticket. See what I did there? Ticket to wow. See what I did? You like that? I'm a dad. I'm allowed yeah. to make those kind of jokes. Darn it. I'm sure they work sometimes, but not every time. Yeah. Yeah, clearly not that time. <laughs> I thought it worked, but anyway. They can't all, I'm, I'm giving you pearls here, Hoof. Giving you pearls. All right, all right. Ticket to Paradise, George I and Julia. The effort anyway. Both of their megawatt smiles, and it looks good. I just saw the trailer. They both look in form. Uh, this will be a good one. It's funny now that Julia Roberts is now becoming the mom character. You know, it's cool. I guess so. I guess. So that's going to be a busy end of October. Black Adam, The School for Good and Evil, and Ticket to Paradise all coming out October 21st. We've got another sequel coming up to start off November on November 4th. And this is based off of a a movie that did very successful in a somewhat limited, I think, as well, streaming-only run back when it first came out two years ago because, of course, it was running up against COVID, and now it's getting a sequel that's coming along again from the world of Sherlock Holmes, but not necessarily about Sherlock. His, uh, his niece or sister or something like that, something some related, but Enola Holmes, too. Now, I think these are a series of books that are also aimed at young kids. Not young, young kids, but you know, adolescent, young teenage kids. And Enola Holmes, Millie Bobby Brown, who you know best from Stranger Things, she's the title character. She's the teenage sister of Sherlock there Holmes. There we go. I knew they were related somehow. Yes. But yep. anyway, so Sherlock Holmes' much younger sister comes out, and she's a mystery solver in her own right. 
Uh, and most of the cast from the first one are back. Henry Cavill, Superman himself, he's back also as sort of a uh, a Watson-esque kind of character for her. So Enola Holmes, too. I didn't see it. I heard really, really good things about it. Henry it Cavill again. is Sherlock, by the way. Oh, he is Sherlock. Okay, yeah. there, I haven't seen the first one, so there you go. Yeah, so. well, when you have Millie Bobby Brown involved with it, that's already going to get plenty of attention because of the tremendous success that she has had with Stranger Things. And then Henry Cavill is a, a really terrific um, addition to have, too. So just, just with casting star power, they've had a lot of it and a great start there. And they did very, very well with that first one. So now they've they've gotten the opportunity to get the band back together again here and she millie bobby brown is getting involved behind the scenes she's one of the producers on this thing too she really oh. wants to keep the tiller straight and by the way helena bottom carter yes as well who was in the first one and will be back here for the second one too is she playing moriarty is that her character or uh, a moriarty or a pun off of Moriarty. she's another holmes i'm not sure oh. where she fits in with the story um because like you i haven't seen it but she's another in the holmes family so the same weekend, and by the way, that is uh, that was a Netflix thing. I don't know if this is going to get a screen release or just Netflix or both, but it's a Netflix movie. So. It is Netflix. I'm not seeing anything regarding it being on the big screen, but yeah. You never know. Things have before changed, but be prepared. This one, you know who I think is a worthy inductee to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? You, really, you really think he yes, is? Yes, I do. I mean, he's... <laughs> I enjoy listening to his music. I enjoy the the offbeat nature of it. Uh, speaking of offbeat, but a rock and roll Hall of Fame inductee. Yes. Wow. Weird Al Yankovic. This guy, we'll talk about the movie here in a second, but the, what talent. This guy, if he does a version of, say, Madonna, who actually show, uh, her character shows up in this movie, and I think it's, well, we'll talk about that in a second. It sounds like Madonna song. Granted, it's Weird Al singing it, but everything else, it sounds just like the original version that he's parroting. That takes some serious talent. He really does have talent, and it's really caught on. People have really embraced him. A couple albums ago, people became aware, he's never had a number one album ever? Well, let's make it happen. And the world got together and gave <laughs> Weird Al a number one album. He just was on tour just a couple months ago, right through here the earlier this summer. Uh, I love Weird Al. I'm a fan. And now Weird, the Al Yankovic story with Harry Potter himself playing Weird Al Yankovic, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. They got uh, Rain Wilson from The Office. He's starring as a producer, promoter, uh, basically the Colonel Tom Parker to Weird Al. This is going to be an interesting one. He's, you know, it was such a fan of Dr. Demento, who was a singer of parody songs. But the trailer looks like it's not really a true-to-life biography. It's going to be a little over the top and maybe not quite as based on reality. And maybe unabashedly so. Like Weird Al and Madonna never had some runoff together romance. That never happened. But it depicts it in the movie. (laughs) So, <laughs> all right. So that was I think about the time that they well, worked together on when, like a when like a call, surgeon. When you call your movie weird, the Al Yankovic story, like you kind of have to. Well, it's a parody. Everything that Weird Al does is a parody. So why couldn't his own biography be a parody? That's exactly based on something, but not quite the same. And at a time where we're having more <laughs> and more of these rock and roll figures or the these musical figures who are getting their own 
larger-than-life stories that are on the screen in a larger-than-life way, why not do the very same thing with Weird Al Yankovic? It's perfect. It's a perfect concept, I would say, because that perfectly goes in line, parallel, with his career. Well, it's interesting. A lot of times Weird Al will approach whatever musician that he wants to parody and he'll ask permission. Madonna, I think, according to Weird Al, is the only one that ever approached him especially back in the earliest days, and said, hey, my what, my Like a Virgin song, would you like to maybe do something with that? And he said, sure. So he came up with Like a Surgeon. I think that's as far as the reality goes. But in the movie, it takes a whole other turn. And Daniel Radcliffe is going to, is going to be yeah. Weird Al. Weird Al's oh, such man. a heck of a good guy. I'm a, I am a fan. You know, He's one of the few rock stars that doesn't have horrible drug-fueled controversies behind him. And, you know, did he actually push so-and-so out the window like other rock stars? No. It's just, he's Weird Al. He's squeaky clean. He's fun. And he's really good. If you've never checked yes. out Weird Al, and he's actually got, <laughs> he's got a movie, I'll, I'll plug it real quick, came out in the late 80s called UHF that is really, really good. Uh, it's a it's a kind of a hidden cult classic that kind of time forgot, but it's really good and uh, it's worth checking out. So now Weird Al's got another movie. I don't know. I would imagine he shows up in it somewhere. He cameos in every Naked Gun movie, so why can't he cameo in his own biography movie? Absolutely. Weird, the Al Yankovic story. It's oh, <laughs> lo- man. I love saying that. Comes out November fourth. Let's go to another comic book movie, but let's switch it to Marvel. It's time to see how things are going to move forward with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, especially with Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther. He's gone, the character and the actor. Yeah, so this is going to be a huge, huge movie here at the end of the year for a lot of reasons. I mean, Black Panther was a mega hit. It was just sensational when it came out. The... The interest, the enjoyment of it by so many people, it was it was a huge hit. Did very, very well. It threatened and, to change the way Oscars nominate movies. Yeah, it broke through and was was able to to be nominated for Best Picture. It was that good and broke through in a way that other superhero movies just either hadn't had the opportunity to or just never had been able to reach. Black Panther did. And then, the original Superman, Christopher Reeve, I think, was up for Best Actor in night or Best Picture in '78 or '79 or whatever that was. But this was the next, the only other one ever to get to that point. But Even then, more than the Dark Knight, right? But then, of course, came the the sudden and tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, who plays T'Challa and who had been in not only Black Panther but who had also appeared in some of the Avengers movies as well. And and his passing, which was just so sudden and out of nowhere, and then we learned that that he had been dealing with colon cancer behind the scenes, quite privately, even Very as he was quietly, nobody knew. Even as he was filming these movies, um, and and he had been dealing with this. So now this is the this is the continuation of the story. Um, I'm I am sure it is going to be very emotional. Um, across the board, in movie, out of movie, I'm sure it's going to be very emotional. There's been a lot of work that's been put in to try to, to try to put together the right kind of story to be able to carry on the story of um, Wakanda and and all attached to Wakanda, Black Panther included, and now what to do about the fact that Black Panther is not there. So Ryan Coogler is back and directing. Um, they've got pretty much all of the cast back outside of outside of uh, Chadwick Boseman. 
uh, we'll be back for this edition of it. So there's going to be a lot of buzz. There's going to be a lot of intrigue, and there's going to be a lot of people out to see this movie for a lot of reasons. This is, you know, take a quick sidebar here. Every once in a while, we'll come along a movie or a franchise or one of the key cast members dies. Maybe it's during filming or, in this case, prior to filming. How do you handle that? I mean, look at the Pink Panther movies. When Peter Sellers died, they tried to take outtakes from previous movies and bunch them together and make another movie. You know, So Peter Sellers stars in a movie after he had died of assembled things. Maybe they'll recast a character. Um, if they do another Star Trek movie, they have to deal with, uh, you know, Anton is gone as his Chekhov character. How, what happens off screen? What happens with King T'Challa slash Black Panther off screen? How are you going to deal with that? We're going to find out, and there have been some hits and some misses when they deal with this, but I am getting the vibe, very much so, that this will be handled emotionally is the is a, is a word, but more than that, respectfully. Um, it'll be handled with, uh, um, it's not going to be just kind of whitewashed away. It's going to be a central thing, kind of like the Egon Spengler character in the newest Ghostbusters movie. Even though Harold Ramis was long dead, his character is very much a part of what that movie is all about. I think that's very much going to be the same kind of theme that we're going to see with Wakanda Forever. So this would be an interesting one, and hearts go out to Chad McBoseman. It's been a few years since we lost him, but I think we're going to feel it again here coming up. Yeah, most definitely. A teaser just came out in late July for it. There's not really been a whole lot of footage or a lot to, a lot to see regarding the movie, but that teaser got a lot of interest and a lot of attention. So that's going to be coming up on November 11th. Black Panther. Wakanda forever. Mark that one down. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. So now, when you get a movie that's got Spielberg directing it, I'm I'm in. Absolutely in. Um, this is going to be a very interesting movie. It's a loose, speaking of biopic in a way, but not really a biopic. Steven Spielberg is directing a movie about basically a version of Steven Spielberg, but it not being Steven Spielberg. This movie's being called The Fablemans, but it's based off of Spielberg's upcoming as a young filmmaker. Uh, so this is interesting very much, so, and it's got a really good cast. Seth Rogen, Michelle Williams, and Spielberg's directing it. This is going to be kind of a coming-of-age dramedy, I kind of get a feeling, you know, but with that Spielberg touch, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting one. This is his first movie since he did the West Side Story musical that was, by all accounts, a very good movie, but a lot of people just didn't see it for whatever reason. So now The Fablemans, loosely based on Spielberg's upbringing and his very beginnings as a wannabe filmmaker. Before he ever had formal training, he had a Super 8 camera at his house, and as a kid would just make movies in the neighborhood, and that's how he got his start. So now you have Seth Rogen as this upcoming trying to figure out how to be a filmmaker. And he's old enough now that I don't know if you can call him a young filmmaker, but anyway. Is it unfair to look at this and kind of feel like it's a vanity project, Dave? Maybe. But well, actually, let me respect. Uh, Seth Rogen's he's got a backup character. If he's directing character. a movie about his own upbringing and life. Well, you you could say that. But then again... It's Spielberg. You know, if James Cameron made a movie about the making of uh, Avatar, he kind of did a version of that with a visit to Titanic. It was called Ghosts of the Abyss or something like that, where Bill Paxton, who had a small role in Titanic, 
is front and center going in a submarine as Bill Paxton going down to the Titanic. But that's and that different. was a big screen that's, release. That's kind of that's kind of documentary slash exploring, and it's not about the making of the movie itself. True. It's about going and exploring the Titanic, the actual wreckage. True. But uh, you know, this when it comes to Spielberg, if this is a two hour movie of Spielberg reading from Encyclopedia Britannica, I would probably watch it. I really would. So this being a version of uh, Spielberg, and by the way, I should say the guy who plays the version of Spielberg, his name is Gabriel LaBelle, and he'll play the Spielbergian character. I don't think it's actually Steven Spielberg as a character, I don't think, but uh, we'll see. It's, it's coming out in November. We're okay. saying these words in so, late August, so, so lots can change. So you're saying it's it's based on Spielberg's life, but it's not actually about Spielberg himself? Is Fableman it? is the last name of the character, is the impression that I'm getting. So it'll like be, Got it. I don't know the name of the character. Let's say it's to be Stephen that, Fableman. If, if it's inspired by Spielberg's upbringing yes. and how he became a director, much, much different than yes. if this is like some kind of... Uh, some kind of again biopic like you were talking about like yeah it's, just the way that you talked about it and and hearing it first described i was like boy this sounds like a bit of a vanity <laughs> project but if it's inspired by his own upbringing as a director and and how he came about it but it's not actually about him directly much more intriguing yeah, yeah. that's that's the vibe that i'm getting All from right. it but this could be an interesting one so well worth checking out the fablemans black panther they both come out november 11th let's talk this was a matter of time before things like this came around. Oh, the, yeah. The downfall of Harvey Weinstein, the first movie about it now, is coming out on November 18th. This is going to be definitely up for a lot of awards contendership. This is a big one. It's called She Said. Great all-star cast. You've got uh, Carrie Mulligan, Zoe Kazan, Patricia Clarkson, and others. This is going to be, I got to think, one of those movies that's hard to watch, depending on how deep down that rabbit hole it goes. Is it, like, to use a Spielberg, is it the shark? You only infer that the shark is there, or do you see it front and center? You know, because a lot of what Harvey Weinstein did was some dark, dang stuff. So is it going to be front and center, or is it just going to be heavily implied? Um but this is, you know, a dark story of Hollywood. But this is one that is going to get a lot of attention when it comes around. She said... Yeah, it's um, it, it's got a good cast attached to it, but at the same time, the story, it's that's the big thing at the center of it. It's going to be, I think, maybe a grimmer and, again, more modern times kind of all the president's men of, you know, just the work that was done to break this story and to bring it out into the open. But um, I'm sure it's going to be a, a pretty tough one, too. Yeah, this is going to be one of those that uh, I'm actually looking right now to see if um, it's got a guy named Mike Houston playing Harvey Weinstein, I don't know who that is, but I, it's like playing, you know, uh, am I going to make this comparison just to make a point? Yes. It's like, who wants to play the role of Hitler? You know, it's tough. Who wants to play that part? You know, but this guy's going to be tough enough to do it. Um, they've done versions kind of like this, the Roger Ailes story a couple of years ago that was interesting. And they had, uh, um, John Lithgow that was in there, and he did he could do anything, and he did a great job. This could be an interesting one, but this is clearly going to be from the gal side of things perspective, maybe more of an impressionist rather than more like a documentary. How accurate will this be is another thing. How much of it will be to some degree like Hollywood has been known to do. Will it be sensationalized, or will it? Is it so sensational as it is? You don't need to sensationalize it. This is going to be an interesting one, but this is going to be one that could have a lot of eyeballs on it, and I think should. Um, 
could do very well. So she said it's coming out on November 18th. Look for it to definitely be an awards contendership when we start talking Academy Awards here once we get into 2023. All right, on a lighter note, we've yeah, got we a movie that. coming up November 23rd. It's going to be a little bit more of a kid's movie, it looks like, uh, with the movie Strange World and getting into the animated side of things here. Yep, this is Walt Disney. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, this is, I don't think this is Pixar. I think this is like standard, you know, Disney, uh, you know, classic version. Pretty good voice cast, though. You've got Jake Gyllenhaal. You've got Gabrielle Union. Um this Lucy Liu, Dennis Quaid yeah. in there as well. Yeah. This will be a fun one. Uh, and, of course, when Disney's got a cartoon coming out, it's always worth looking at. I don't think they've ever had a cartoon that was bad. They have you know, they have the, the Lion King tier. Then there's, like, the middle tier. Middle tier is pretty darn good. So if that's the worst you're going to get, you've got a good opportunity for some ticket money well spent. So go check out Strange World, November 23rd. And then speaking of Disney, that same weekend, although I think it's coming out right around that time, back in, I think, 2007, they had Enchanted, Amy Adams. I remember. It, well, now there's Disenchanted. They're finally doing a sequel. It took about 15 years, but now they're doing it. So Disenchanted, Amy Adams is back, Patrick Dempsey, most of the cast from the first one is back. Yeah. Could be an interesting one. So obviously this is a Disney live action. So Disney has got two movies coming out in the same weekend, one animated, one live action. But that enchanted, it was like a Disney princess come to life in the real world. You know, how come Cinderella, or Snow White rather, doesn't have birds flying through the window to help her make her bed? Because it doesn't work like that in the real world. You know, that was kind of the take of it. So yes. maybe maybe now she's this Disney princess is getting used to the idea that the real world isn't so magical. So she's disenchanted. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But if you like the first one, I got to think your money will be down on this one. So that'll be rounding off the month of November. Yeah, I like the uh, the flip on the title a little bit there, from, compared to the first movie, and and doing a little bit with that. So, but that's you know that's around Thanksgiving. That's a big long box office weekend that has also had a lot of great family movies that come out. Like Mrs. Doubtfire came out on Thanksgiving weekend, and a lot of movies like that that you want to go with the family to see. Uh, and both of those, I think, are going to offer some pretty good Thanksgiving options. And then we round the corner. Into December. Santa Claus having to save Christmas and Santa is David Harbour? Let me put it this way. It reads to me like die hard, but what if John McClane, Bruce Willis, was Santa Claus himself? <laughs> trying to save the building from you know a terrorist attack. Well, that's what you get when your movie is called Violent Night. This could really be something. David Harbour, again, you know very well from the Stranger Things movies. Uh, John Leguizamo, who in everything he's in, he can do drama, he can do comedy, he can do horror, he can do it all. And I, I would imagine he's going to be the lead you know, terrorist in this. So it's Die Hard with Santa as John McClane. Whether he runs around in the Wife Beater tank top t-shirt like John McClane, Bruce Willis, I don't know. But I'm sure running around in a big Santa suit is going to get heavy and hot and... You know, as bizarre and preposterous as this movie sounds, it makes you say, what? Then you take a look at who's involved. You're like, you know, this might be a dark horse. You Really, that movie got successful? I know. You wouldn't think so, but it did. And we'll see. Violent Night comes out December 2nd. This I, I, I do have an interest. There's no trailer yet because it's December, but it's uh, it's going to look pretty darn good. I want to see it. 
Same weekend, you have Women Talking. This has got a great all-star cast. You have uh, Rudy Mara. You've got Frances McDormand. Who, if you've ever seen a Coen Brothers movie, you know Frances McDormand. She's in a lot of those. Uh, won the Oscar recently for the uh, billboards outside Ebling, Missouri. This is going to be an interesting one. This is going to be uh, It's based off of a novel that came out that got a lot of uh, good buzz. It's about uh, a Mennonite community that has issues. And so what they aren't aware is that a lot of the gals in the community are getting together, talking about it, and deciding to maybe start to take some matters into their own hands. This is going to, I think, go hand-in-hand maybe to an extent with the Me Too movement, but not quite. Um, If you know the book, and it did get some traction, I think the book came out in like 2018, something like that. So here's the movie version uh, with a great cast. Uh, This could be a good one, another one that could be an awards contender, so... Just be aware, it's on the radar. Women Talking comes out December 2nd. Yeah, so that'll be on the way there to get the month started. You know what's going to happen? I could see this right now. You're going to get date night. The guy's going to go into violent night. The girl's going to go to Women Talking, and then they'll come out after the movie. Because, you know, not a lot of dates are going to want to go see Santa Claus in a diehard movie, basically. And some of the guys might not want to go to the Mennonite drama it, it, so it's going to be one of those movies. So like you go to the adult movie, but you drop the kids off at the Disney movie, and you meet in the lobby afterward. Very contrasting movies, yes. though, there that, yes. that particular weekend. <laughs> we got a Tom Hanks movie next. Year. Another Tom Hanks movie. We've got uh, a, uh, a man called Otto that looks really, really kind of interesting. This is going to be another one of those um, movies that's uh, Tom Hanks is front and center in it. But he's um, forced to retire, doesn't want to retire. He's a grumpy Tom Hanks, which is kind of a version of Tom Hanks we don't really run into. I kind of get a view that this is almost like uh, the Eastwood movie Gran Torino, but a little easier to take. But it's also got some subject material that's kind of on the heavy side. Tom Hanks' character doesn't want to retire. He's kind of forced into retirement, and now he's planning suicide. But now other things start entering into his life, getting in the way. Will it be enough to pull them out? It looks to be. I'm taking. I'm getting a dramedy feel from this. I think it'll have some lighthearted moments with some heavy, despite with the subject matter moments. So, and Tom Hanks knows how to pull these things off and pull the nuances out of those characters. So, this could be an interesting one. Um, a man called Otto on December fourteenth. That sets us up for another huge, huge tentpole movie that huh? is coming up here at the end of the Who? year. Years in the making. And the beginning of, what, four, five movies that are going to be coming along here by the yep. time all said and done? Avatar The Way of Water comes out December 16th. Pretty much everyone is back. This is James Cameron. Uh, you've got everyone back. Sam Worthington is back. Zoe Saldana, or at least in some form, and a lot of blue people. Even Sigourney Weaver is back. And, you know, spoiler alert, her character doesn't make it out of the last one. So how does that work? Is she just cast as a different character who looks like some, I don't know. But, um, you know, they filmed Avatar 2 and 3 simultaneously. So there's going to be another one coming, presumably uh, November, December of 2023. So this is Avatar 2, The Way of Water. And there are plans for an Avatar 4 and 5. They just haven't filmed them yet. I think they're waiting to see how 2 and 3 are going to do. And if they start doing well, I would imagine within the next year, things are moving forward on Avatars 4 and 5. But, you know, there's been such a pushback on this, but they're preparing to remind people of 
quite frankly, how good the first one is. Now, Avatar was on Disney+. Plus. They've just yanked it because it's about to go back into theaters. It's going to be re-released. Yes. Now, between this and Avengers Endgame, they've kind of been at like a horse race back and forth as which is the highest grossing movie of all time ever. And right now, Avengers has it, but Avatar, the original, is about to go back in theaters, so expect that to beat Avengers by a neck again. Uh, it's just to kind of prime the pump and bring you into Avatar 2, The Way of Water, this is going to be fun, and I've, there's been pushback. It's been over ten years, and I don't really, I don't think it was that good. There's, it didn't fall into number one movie of all time ever by accident. It really was good. I showed the first one. Well, yeah, the buzz, the buzz is starting to build again. It is, but I, you know, my wife didn't want to see the original. I, it was one of those nights where I got to pick the movie, and I picked Avatar, and she was kind of. Eh. I didn't know this was going to be that good. I did, and she really liked it, and so remember that. Before you start getting down on the way of water, I think good things. Don't ever bet against Jim Av- Jim Jim Avatar Jim Cameron. Now, during the month of December, it it's got a couple of different release dates that I've seen attached to it. But Matilda the musical is coming in December. Now, this is going to be interesting because Matilda, the first film adaptation of the the popular book came along in the 90s and kind of had its own cult following. Now it's oh, yeah. getting a musical version of it that's going to be coming along and is being put together by Netflix. Yeah, uh, you know, Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman and uh, young actress um, uh, Mara Wilson did the original version of the movie, of the book, if you want to do it that in the 90s. Now we've got a musical version. Um, th- th- obviously, these weren't books that I read. I did actually see Matilda. It was in the background where I was one time, and it was very cute and very charming, and I get why it's still to this day popular. So now it's just a different version take with a lot of you know, music, is, song, and dance. Which I think is a good idea. Yeah. I, at first, I was like... Wait, they're redoing Matilda? I think there's going to be some people out there who are, are going to be a little iffy on this, but they're going a different route with it in a different direction. We'll see if it works as a musical, but at least they're going a different direction. Yeah, that's true. So that's coming out. Uh, we've seen it, like we said, a couple of different release dates, but it looks like mid-December. Like we said at the top of the podcast, expect dates to shift quite possibly. Yeah, I had seen December 9th a little bit, but... So then we get into, it's always the end of December, right around Christmas time. People are getting off school. People have got time off of work. They're getting together with family. It's always late December where you can really get some fun movies, and 2022 does not look to disappoint. So we get into December 21st. It's been a while since we've seen anything from the Shrek universe. Not another Shrek movie, but a spinoff, Puss in Boots which was the, the 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 fencing kind of Zorro-esque character that was introduced in, I think, Shrek 2, who kind of stole the movie in a lot of ways. Antonio Banderas did the voice. He's back. Um, this could be a fun one. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Now, they had already done a Puss in Boots movie, so now this is Puss in Boots 2. This will be fun. I, you know, I, I'm a fan of Antonio Banderas. He really, really is good. And for a guy that's known to do great drama and action, man, he's really good at comedy. Yeah, and it's it's funny the Shrek's the Shrek story has come to an end, but the Shrek world is still living on with Puss in Boots at least for another movie longer. Um, this is called The Last Wish, so we'll see if this if this rounds the story off in some way. But it just continues on and on and on. And yeah, when you have a sword wielding cat, um, I guess you you found an avenue to be able to make it work, and that's been the case. So. That's definitely one for the kids. That same day. This is where mom will go into the other theater. I want to dance with somebody, Dave. 
This is the Whitney Houston biopic. Yes. Which I guess is going to be a focus more on her life, not so much the career. The career will kind of be in the background. But what it really is is a big focus on her relationship with uh, uh, R&B singer Bobby Brown. And uh, so this could be an interesting one. Naomi Ackie is going to play Whitney Houston in the movie. Whitney, of course, one of the best voices you ever heard. I mean, she really was amazing. But she got pulled down by drugs and abuse and, and, and died in a hotel. It, just, it was a real tragic ending to her life. And this is not so much about that. This is about her life. I don't know how much into the life it'll go and toward the end. But I think what it primarily is at the heart of this thing is a relationship that is, let's just call it dysfunctional with Bobby Brown and the way it works. So I want to dance with somebody. Look for this one to be another big award contender. They would, for one, you know the studio's got great confidence in it. They wouldn't be releasing it when they are if they didn't have that thought. So I want to dance with somebody based, of course, off one of her favorite songs. Uh, that's the name of the movie coming out December 21st. December 23rd is when we get the you are much big antici- into this one. Yeah, the big much anticipated Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, with Daniel Craig and, of course, a terrific cast attached to it. But Benoit Blanc is back in a new mystery. This has got a Hercule Poirot kind of feel by now with oh, the yeah. way that Daniel Craig has carved out a role with Benoit Blanc and with solving mysteries, very offbeat mysteries. This is a Netflix-produced sequel that is coming along here with Glass Onion. If you have not seen the original Knives Out, see it. It's quir- it's it's a comedic mystery, quirky a little bit, but it's really well done and an all-star cast. So now, you know, the the one character that's back, it's like, you know, having a murder she wrote episode. It's a whole new cast each episode, but with the one central character or maybe one or two, uh Daniel Craig is back with his detective character. This is going to be fun. This is going to be big. This is going to be good. Uh, Edward Norton is in it, all-star cast. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. And Dave Bautista, former wrestler who actually was a bad guy in one of the James Bond movies, they had a big brawl, and Daniel Craig, for real, accidentally broke his nose. Evidently, there's no hard feelings because they're working again. Yes, they are. In this one. So that should be a fun one. So Glass yeah. Onion, Knives Out, go see it. Christmas Day. We've got a new Damien Chazelle flick that's coming along, Dave. Uh, typically, Damien Chazelle movies that are being released at this this time of year, or that time of year, I should say, tend to go pretty well. And this one is another period, or it is a period piece that we've got here. At the time of the talkies, and it's got Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie and apparently Tobey Maguire, too. He's behind the scenes also as a producer on this. So he's not just behind the scenes. He's got a part in it. Think La La Land. It's going to be kind of a vibe similar to La La Land. But it actually is a period piece yes. now this time. Yes, yes. It's uh, based when movies called started. Called Babylon. Yeah, called Babylon. The movie's called Babylon, and it's set around the time when movies started to you know get sound. And it wasn't just you know, back in the day before you had sound that you could be brought onto a film, there would literally be somebody in the theater playing the piano or something or a band, and that's all there was. There was no sound to the film at all. So now this is when Hollywood is starting to change. You get the talkies going. Um, think an uplifting vibe. I don't know if they'll be singing and dancing like there was a La La Dan, <laughs> but there could be. Uh, so there's not been a lot of publicity on this yet because, it, again, it's coming out about four months from now, but I think it's going to be one of those around Christmas time, New Year's, that's going to be one of the last big, maybe potential hits for 2022, Babylon. Check it out. So there you go. A lot of intriguing options. We've got some sequel-related ones, as usual, some that are going to be attached to streaming coming along, too. But 
some neat projects, some interesting independent projects too, and original stories that are that are going to be coming along here toward the end of the year. And again, you know as well with award season and getting your your films in before award season too. There's going to be some really, really good films that are going to be coming along here in the next few months. So The last four months of any year tend to be maybe some of the best. It's not the summer box office stuff, although you do get a couple of movies like that, particularly when you get to Thanksgiving, Christmas time. But a lot of the awards contenders tend to come out then fall and early winter. Darn good time to go see some shows and a darn good place to see them. Is with the crew the Bemidji Theater. They're right on the highway, right off the highway, too. So you don't want to drive into the theater in the middle of the highway. You know, so they moved it conveniently just off of Highway 2 between Bemidji and Wilton. That's right. So come on out, check out those movies. Thanks again to the Bemidji Theater for sponsoring the podcast as well. You have got your roadmap. Now enjoy the fall ahead. Dave and I will be checking in throughout the fall on the status of some of these movies, especially if some of them are really taking off and being successful. But until next time, I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will, indeed, this fall, see you at the movies.